Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff. And that's me, Dr. Jeff. I'm a paediatric oncologist here at the Children's Hospital at Westmead, which is in Sydney, Australia. Today I want to talk about the medical hierarchy. Now, the reason I want to talk about this is because, you know, a lot of people find themselves in hospitals and they keep meeting all these doctors. And one doctor comes up and says, yeah, I'm the resident. And the next one says, I'm the registrar. And then someone says, I'm the fellow. And then someone else says, I'm the intern. And, you know, a lot of people who are new to hospitals, they haven't got a clue who's who here. They don't know who's senior, who's junior, who knows a lot about childhood cancer and who hasn't really had any experience in it at all. And so that's what I want to talk about. That sort of who's who in the medical hierarchy. And first off, I'm going to describe how the system works here in Australia And then I'm going to describe how the system works in the United States, and I suspect that'll be similar to how it works in Canada, but I'm not quite sure. And then I don't really know for sure how it works in all the other countries. So if people want to chime in at the Facebook page and let us know what is the system in uh, the United Kingdom and Germany and France and, and in Asian units and in every other unit in the world, well, that'd be fun. And then we could all learn something. So first, let's talk about the Australian model. And the easiest way to get your head around it is to look at the career path of somebody who ends up becoming a paediatric oncologist. And remember, a paediatric oncologist is a is the doctor that's sort of most connected with the chemotherapy side of treating things. So I'm not particularly talking here about radiation oncology career paths or even surgical career paths, but some of the terminology is similar. Now, today I'll be talking about that path that people take from leaving high school to becoming a paediatric oncologist. So in Australia, kids go to school, they go to high school for about 12 years, and then they leave after year 12 of high school. And then there's two systems for then going on and entering medical school. For a long time, most medical students went straight from high school and into medical school at one of the, the big universities. And there they did a five- or a six-year course in medicine, and then they graduated with a Bachelor of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery, usually. And, you know, they had to get the big high marks at school, and it was all pretty much based on a raw uh, score in the big final exams at the end of school, and off they went to university. Now, more recently, some of the big university medical schools around the country have modified that, and they've gone to something that's a bit more like the American system, where you couldn't go straight into medicine from school, but you had to leave high school, do some other sort of university degree, whether it was in science or arts or economics or anything, and then you would apply to enter into medical school. So that meant that the medical students in their first year of medicine were about three or four years older. And in addition to doing that degree, they brought in interview programs and medical aptitude tests and all sorts of things uh, to try to find out people who might be uh, suited for a career in medicine. Anyway, so you would get people leaving medical school after either a five or six year course that they started straight out of high school, or in some units after a four year course in medicine 
that they started after doing a degree in science or arts or something else first. So they're basically seven or eight years out of high school by that stage. In any event, they're graduating, they've got their Bachelor of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery degree, and then they can go to the hospitals and start working. So that first year out of medical school in Australia, you're called an intern. An intern. And this is the most junior doctor in the system as far as someone who's being paid to be a doctor and be at work every day, not a medical student. And in Australia, most of the time that an intern spends is spent in adult medicine. They're mostly sent off to the big adult hospitals and they'll rotate between doing a term of surgery and a term of medicine and maybe a term in the emergency department and maybe a term being sent to a a rural hospital or something like that. So most of the time they don't have a dedicated paediatric rotation as an intern. Now, they may encounter paediatric patients, children in the emergency department of their hospital, or perhaps if they go off to a rural hospital, they may encounter children, but they won't generally be rostered into a paediatric ward, and very rarely would you find them rotating through a dedicated, pure children's hospital. So you might not encounter interns very much, but you might encounter them in the emergency department. And by the way, they're being supervised pretty closely because they're very junior and very inexperienced. They're very smart people, you know, they've done all this medicine and exams and all of this, but they don't have so much real world experience. So they're being supervised pretty closely. But you probably won't encounter them in the children's hospitals. Anyway, after that first year as an intern, then in the next year out, and maybe the one after that, the doctors are called residents, a resident or a resident medical officer, RMO. And most of the time in Australia, uh, that first year resident position is also spent in the adult system. It would be uncommon, I think, for people just to do an internship and then transfer into a children's hospital and start as a paediatric resident. So mostly they'll continue doing some time as a resident in an adult hospital. This time they might start to rotate through terms that are really more to their preference. So if someone wants to be a surgeon, they might specifically ask, oh, can I have a whole lot of surgical terms? And, you know, terms are usually about 10 weeks each and, you know, most rotations have about four or five terms per year that the residents rotate through. And yeah, they might say, I want to do surgical terms, or someone else might say, I want to do the medical terms. You know, I want to do cardiology and endocrinology and whatever else is relevant to being a physician rather than a surgeon. But they'll usually also end up doing a term of uh, being in the emergency department and probably a term of doing relieving, you know, where you do one or two weeks at a time, relieving people who go on holidays. And you may well be seconded to a rural or a suburban hospital away from the big teaching hospital again. So that's the first year as a resident. And then beyond that, you might go into second year residency training. And by this second year, more and more people are selecting out a particular area they want to work in, whether it's surgery or medicine or general practice, or they may go off and do obstetrics. They may go into other specialties, radiology, dermatology, all sorts of things. But it's really at about this stage where 
residents first start to appear in the children's hospitals. And so most of the time when you meet a junior doctor doing their first year in a children's hospital, well, they've probably done an intern year and a resident year in adult land, and maybe they've done even more, and then they've decided to go into paediatrics. But yeah, it's usually at about this stage they go into a children's hospital. And so the most junior doctors you normally encounter in a children's hospital are called the residents. Now, they're not that junior, right? They've done a year or two elsewhere. They've seen a lot. They just haven't seen a lot of paediatrics yet. And so when you meet this resident doctor, keep that in mind. They'll have done a good couple of years of medicine, but they'll be somewhat newer to paediatrics and they'll be very new to paediatric cancer, you know, childhood cancer and chemotherapy, etc., And that's why they're rotating through all these different terms, paediatric emergency, newborn babies, paediatric surgery, and the children's cancer ward. So they're rotating through these wards so they can learn all about everything. So they're good people, smart people, usually ambitious people, but they'll be pretty new to childhood cancer. And so they're not really the one you want to ask the really sophisticated, difficult questions about childhood cancer. Now, some of these people are just doing a year of residency in paediatrics before they go off and do something else. They might want to become a general practitioner, you know, a family doctor. So they want to do a year or two of paediatrics so they can be a good family doctor. On the other hand, some of them are doing a year or two of paediatrics as a resident with a view to becoming a specialist paediatrician. And by the way, paediatrician means a different thing in Australia to what it means in the United States. And I'll come to that later. So after a year or two as a paediatric resident, if someone wants to stay on in paediatrics, get more experience and probably go on and specialise in paediatrics, well then they get a job as a paediatric registrar. Funny name, I know. It makes you think of somebody who looks after the train timetable or something, the paediatric registrar. But that's who they are. So a paediatric registrar's done a couple of years of adults and then they've done a couple of years of paediatric residency in a children's hospital usually. And then they've made a decision, well, now I want to do more serious training in paediatrics with a view to specialising in it, and now I'm a paediatric registrar. And so often in a given paediatric term, there'll be the paediatric registrar supervising the paediatric resident as they all look after the patients together. And then they have their big boss, of course, supervising them. And people stay paediatric registrars for some years. And what they do in Australia is they do a year or two or three or four, and then they gear up to do the big exam for the Royal Australasian College of Physicians. The big exam so they can become a fellow of the Royal Australasian College of Physicians in paediatrics. So the College of Physicians handles adult physicians in cardiology and respiratory and all those other things, but no, the paediatric branch of the College of Physicians. So they'll gear up to sit this amazingly difficult exam so they can end up getting qualified as a specialist paediatrician. So there'll be first-year registrars and second-year registrars, and these are people who are gearing up to do that exam usually. And then once they pass that exam, well, then they can go on and be a senior registrar or an advanced trainee, they get called sometimes, but a senior registrar. So that's normally someone who's been a registrar for a few years and has sat the paediatric exam and passed it. And now they've got to do a few more years before they get officially awarded the fellowship of the College of Physicians in paediatrics. So when you encounter a registrar, it might be someone who's... uh, 
rotating through different rotations and terms as a more junior registrar gearing up to do the exam, or it might be someone who's more experienced who's a senior registrar who's done the exam, and they might still just be getting a bit of exposure in childhood cancer, paediatric oncology, or they might be someone who's decided, well, I really want to pursue a subspecialty in paediatric oncology. Now, by the way, if it was someone who planned eventually to be what you call a general paediatrician, you know, someone who doesn't particularly just do cancer or lungs or hearts, but general paediatrics, well, in Australia, they'll do that exam and then they'll usually rotate through various different terms as a senior registrar, maybe pursue a particular interest for a bit longer than some others, but eventually they'll complete those years after the exam, some two or three years after that exam, and then get the fellowship, and then they can be called a consultant paediatrician. So this is where the difference is with a paediatrician in Australia and in the United States. In the United States, a paediatrician has come out of medical school and usually done a three-year paediatric residency and exams, and then they become a paediatrician. And oftentimes they seem to be a specialist doctor of first contact for children. Whereas in Australia, a paediatrician is someone who's come out of medical school, done a couple of years of adults, probably done a total of six years of training and a big, huge exam as well. But they're not someone that people just walk in off the street to see uh, for every childhood illness. They're more someone who takes referrals for more complicated situations from general practitioners or family doctors. So you wouldn't go to see the paediatrician usually because you've got an earache or a sore throat or a something. Whereas I think you might in the United States or you might see a family doctor, but you might just see the paediatrician first off. Okay, now back to the childhood cancer unit. So we've been a resident in paediatrics, we've been a registrar in paediatrics, done the exam, become a senior registrar, and eventually someone decides, well, look, I really want to be a subspecialist, a sort of super specialist in paediatric cancer, childhood cancer. Well, at this point, they might become what you call a fellow. It's another one of those old-fashioned sort of medical words. Sounds a bit British, doesn't it? A fellow. But a fellow in paediatric oncology really is uh, quite a senior trainee in paediatrics, or they might even be a fully qualified paediatrician in Australia. But now they're doing one or two or three years specifically in paediatric oncology with a view to becoming a paediatric oncologist, usually. So they're called a fellow, and they're sort of the backbone of the unit in many ways. And they're supervising the registrars and the residents that are part of the team and uh, real workhorses of the unit. And then their boss, of course, is the paediatric oncology consultant. Uh, That's me, I guess. And in Australia, we often get called the consultant paediatric oncologist or the attending medical officer. But yes, that's the fellow. The fellow is becoming a paediatric oncologist, has seen a lot of paediatrics and is now pursuing childhood cancer. Now, one thing to comment on, by the way, about, you know, residents and registrars and fellows is that they have more recently been through lots of other areas of the hospital. So if you're a paediatric oncologist like me and you've been doing it for, you know, 20 years plus, well, you haven't had very recent experience, say, in the cardiology ward, the heart ward, or you haven't recently worked on a respiratory unit. So 
the registrars and the fellows have. And so oftentimes they're in, uh, they're a bit more up to date with, you know, all the latest and greatest in, say, the treatment of asthma or the treatment of diabetes and all sorts of things like that that aren't childhood cancer. So while a paediatric oncologist spends his or her whole time, you know, concentrating on childhood cancer and all the, you know, latest and greatest and new drugs and chemotherapies, etc., the registrars have been rotating through all these different areas of the hospital and often have a, a broader sort of general knowledge of what's the latest and greatest in other areas of paediatrics. So they're good people to have on the team. Okay, so this fellow does usually, you know, maybe two, maybe three years as a fellow in paediatric oncology. And, you know, during this time, they're sort of looking around and thinking, now, I want to get that consultant job somewhere. I want to land a job as, you know, the consultant, the boss, paediatric oncologist in a big children's hospital, in a big children's cancer unit. Now, here comes the problem, is that most of the big children's cancer units are also looking for, you know, some sort of extra expertise and so on. And so very often in Australia, there's something of an expectation that fellows might, you know, go overseas and work in one of the big units elsewhere in the world and, and, you know, bring back new ideas and the latest and greatest in what's happening in the United States or France or Canada or Britain, not because they're particularly any better than Australia, but just because They've got new ideas, different approaches, different labs, and it's all part of getting a good broad experience and, you know, maybe some particular expertise, like someone might become a particular expert in brain tumours or in neuroblastoma or myeloid leukaemia or something like that. So very often a fellow might do one or two or maybe three years as a fellow here in Australia, but then have a plan to go overseas to some huge, great centre of excellence there and do another year or two or three there. The other thing that might be on their radar is to do a, a PhD, you know, a, a big three or four year research degree and oftentimes in a lab, you know, working with DNA and cancer genes and uh, doing all sorts of research in the lab to get that PhD. So once someone passes that paediatric exam and they start thinking, I want to be a paediatric oncologist, they've really got to have a sort of long-term plan here. They'll do, like I said, a couple of years as a fellow in the big unit in Australia and then have a plan to do the overseas thing, centre of excellence overseas thing, maybe do a PhD, maybe do both, maybe cultivate a particular expertise, bone marrow transplant, brain tumours, lab research, all sorts of things. And then finally, they might be able to get a job in a big paediatric oncology unit at a big children's hospital back home in Australia or New Zealand. I think the New Zealand system is pretty comparable to this. And then when they get that job, well, they're one of me, you know, uh, uh, what you call the paediatric oncologist, the uh, paediatric oncology consultant, or the attending medical officer, or sometimes HMO, honorary medical officer. That's an old one from decades past. In the United States, they'd be called the attending, but not so much here in Australia. And so there you have it in Australia. If you meet an intern, uh, they're straight out of medical school, uh, a bit inexperienced, pretty smart, pretty dedicated, seriously hardworking, you know, long, long hours, but they won't know that much about paediatrics yet. 
If you meet a resident, well, they're likely just getting into paediatrics too. They've probably got a few years' experience in adult medicine. You know, smart people, hardworking, but just starting to deal in paediatrics. Now, if it's towards the end of the year, they'll have done a whole year of paediatrics. They might know better than they knew in January. But they won't particularly have a great knowledge of paediatric cancer. Then you'll get to registrars, and again, they've got a couple of years of experience in paediatrics. They'll have resuscitated newborn babies, they'll have dealt with asthma in the emergency department, they'll have dealt with all sorts of things, and they might have done a bit of paediatric oncology, or they might just be getting their first exposure to it. But they often have a very good broad knowledge of paediatrics. Then you'll get the senior registrars who've done the exam, and then the fellows who are committed to a subspecialty beyond paediatrics, just in paediatric oncology. And they're the workhorses of the unit, and they know a lot of paediatrics, and they're learning a lot about paediatric cancer. But even then, they've got a few more years to go, usually, before they can land a job. Okay, so that's Australia. So now let me explain the American system as I understand it. And I have some experience to it. I did do a fellowship at Duke Medical Center. Duke Medical Center is in Durham, North Carolina famous for basketball and for wanting to beat Chapel Hill in basketball. i tell you who played at Duke while I was there. That was Grant Hill. Anyone remember Grant Hill? Yeah, he was in the team. Then he left and went off and got a $44 million contract with Detroit, I think it was. Anyway, back to the medical hierarchy and the training system in the United States. So in the United States... People don't go straight out of high school and go into medical school. No, the usual thing there is leave high school and go to college. So what we might call going to university to do that first undergraduate degree, they call going to college. And college seems to me to be a pretty standard four-year program. And it's only after getting that first degree from college that people apply to get into medical school. And when they apply to get into medical school, they'll need to have good marks from college and they'll uh, oftentimes sit a particular exam, I think, to get into medicine. And they'll usually go through some sort of interview process to get into medical school. So off they go to medical school. And I think mostly medical school is four years in the United States. And so it's some eight years after leaving high school that people come out of medical school with the degree. So work that out. They're going to be about 25 or 26 years old uh, at least by the time they get out of medical school. Now, this is where things are different in the United States to Australia. It seems that people leave medical school and they've already decided on a specialty that they want to go into. So in Australia, people have to rotate through medicine and surgery and emergency departments and all that sort of thing. And after a year or two as an intern and resident, then they start to make choices about pursuing a specialty. Now, some of them might have made up their mind right from the start that they want to be a brain surgeon or something, but they still have to go through that year or two of rotating through all sorts of different areas. Well, in the United States, it seems to me that people make a decision while at medical school what specialty they want to do. And so if someone wants to be a surgeon, well, they go straight out of medical school and into a surgical residency. But if they've decided they want to be a paediatrician, well, they go straight out of medical school and into what's called a paediatric residency program. And so they'll become an intern in that first year out of medical school, but they'll be an intern in a paediatric hospital, in a paediatric residency program, and they'll be doing 
almost all paediatrics. Now, please correct me if I'm wrong, those of you in the United States, but I'm pretty sure this is how it still works. So they'll become an intern. And again, this is someone who's pretty smart, has done a lot of exams, you know, done a lot of courses, done a lot of study, but they'll be new to uh, the actual practice of medicine as an intern. And so they'll be being supervised pretty closely. And they'll rotate through various different areas of the children's hospitals and maybe out to a rural hospital and that sort of thing. Then the next year, they'll be a resident still in paediatrics. And the year after that, I think a senior resident. And then they'll sit all their exams. And then that's it. That's the paediatric residency. It's this three-year program straight out of medical school, purely in paediatrics, big exam at the end, and then you can become a paediatrician. And like I said, paediatrician means a different thing in the United States. It seems to me that a a general paediatrician may often be the doctor of first contact for uh, a sick child, rather than being seen by the family doctor, the general practitioner who can look after a given level of sickness and complexity and refers the patient to an Australian paediatrician for more complex situations, you know, epilepsy and diabetes and things like that. So in the United States, you won't normally encounter someone called a registrar. You'll normally encounter interns and residents in paediatrics and interns and residents in the other specialties as well. Now, after that three-year program of paediatrics, if someone decides they want to be a paediatric oncologist, you know, paediatric haematologist oncologist, then they will do a fellowship in peds heme onc. They would say peds heme onc, paediatric haematology oncology. They'll do the formal three-year program in paediatric oncology. And so they might stay at the same institution they did their residency at, or they might go off to some bigger institution that is a, you know, a big paediatric oncology service and do a fellowship there. And the fellowship there is a pretty well-structured one. And at least when I was at Duke, and that's, you know, 20-odd years ago, it was a program of doing one year of clinical paediatric oncology. And man, did we get slammed. It was hard work. It was being on call an awful lot, not many weekends off, long hours. It was hard going. That first year, paediatric oncology fellow job, that was hard going. But then in the second and third years of the fellowship, well, it was uh, a time spent on some sort of research. And when I was there, most people did research in a lab. But I think sometimes people do it, you know, working on research clinical trials and things like that. And they'll usually have a day a week in the clinic still uh, seeing patients and they'll do some weekends on call and that sort of thing. But by and large, Monday to Friday, they'll be uh, spending their time in this area of research. And so that's a three-year fellowship program, a year clinical, two years research, and then another big set of exams, and then they can... Uh, be considered a qualified paediatric oncologist. Now, some of them will then go off and do a particular further specialisation, maybe in bone marrow transplant or in brain tumours or various other things. So uh, you can have fellows that are in that three-year program to become a paediatric oncologist, or you might have senior fellows who are pursuing that subspecialty area. So again, if you're in the United States and you encounter a resident that's going to be someone doing their general paediatric training, and they might know a bit about paediatric oncology, but they won't know as much as the fellow, whereas the fellow is the qualified paediatrician in America and is now pursuing 
oncology and if they're in their first year, well, they're starting to learn more and more about it. But if they're in their second or third or senior fellow years, well, they really know a lot more about paediatric oncology and might be well-placed to field some of the harder questions you might want to ask. So you should feel free to ask the resident all sorts of questions about the day-to-day management and the fluids that they're going to have and what should they do about the kid's asthma and, you know, when are the tests due and all sorts of things like that. But you wouldn't really normally do well asking the resident, you know, really hard questions about, you know, what's the evidence that giving doxorubicin is superior to not giving doxorubicin or... What was the outcome of the last childhood leukaemia study in the United States or something like that? You know, they're the questions you could put to the fellow or or to the attending paediatric oncologist. And that's what you get called when you're the sort of boss, uh, you know, the paediatric oncologist in an American unit. They're usually called the attending. Now, the final thing I want to describe is something of the sort of uh, allocation of roles and responsibilities within this hierarchy. And this sort of applies to the... Australian, New Zealand and United States system. And that is that the the junior doctors in the team, the interns, residents, maybe registrars, well, they tend to pick up a lot of the responsibilities of the sort of day-to-day running of things in the ward. So they're often the doctors you'll see most of. They're the ones that have to go in and check on the patient every day, check how they're going, write up the bags of IV fluids for them, write up the antibiotics, check that everything's going well. And if something's going wrong, if a child develops a fever in the night, well, the nurses will usually call a resident or a registrar, someone like that, to come and have a look at them. And they're the ones that are normally in-house overnight. They're on a roster to do night cover and so on like that. So most of that sort of day-to-day work is performed by the residents and registrars. And quite frankly, they pick up a lot of the, what I call, scut work. You know, perhaps some of the less glamorous jobs, you know, writing the prescriptions and writing up the fluids and writing in the notes and phoning MRI and arguing about why we need a scan and booking the scans and making sure the patient's booked into clinic. Some of it's a bit tedious, but, you know, that's how it goes. And then as you move more and more up the hierarchy, well, then you tend to have these junior doctors in your team and that's their job to look after that stuff. But then you pick up a whole bunch of other responsibilities and the sort of level of responsibility increases and increases. So yeah, you'll mostly see the junior doctors more often. You might see the fellow pretty often. And you might see the uh, the attending or the consultant paediatric oncologist pretty often as well. But they don't tend to be so immediately present there in the ward all the time. And normally they're sort of available for emergencies and very available to field questions and so on but not so immediately present there in the ward to uh, look after the little bits and pieces of a hospital stay. Anyway, I hope all this makes sense, and I hope I've got it straight for the United States. Really, if I haven't, do let me know at the Facebook page. If you go to Facebook and look for Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff, well, you can find me on Facebook and say, no, it's not like that anymore. And if you're from another country apart from the United States, please uh, give us a quick description in there to tell us how things work in your neck of the woods. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Thanks again for tuning in to Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye now.